Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to those who donate to the show at japanbyrivercruise.com and due to the generosity of our corporate sponsors. This is a message for our elderly Japanese listeners. We buy old Honkos! You've probably heard the government's definitive announcement that you can no longer use your Honko personal stamp for official documents and financial transactions, but that doesn't mean that it's worthless. We'll pay you a small but fair price for your old Honko. All you have to do is send us your address, a copy of your driver's license so we can verify that it is your Honko, your bank account number so we can transfer your funds, and your My number so we can report the transaction responsibly. Then we'll send a representative to your home to pick it up. You'll recognize them when they identify themselves by saying, It's me. Your hunko definitely is already invalid and won't give us access to your whole life, we swear. So contact us right away before you have too much time to think about it. Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Jesse Johnson, staff writer and senior editor at the Japan Times. You might not know it, but you've heard Jesse's work on the podcast before. We actually hired him to produce our segment on which Japanese River Cruise lunch buffet has the best fried rice, because we heard he was the guy to talk to about the Chinese in Japanese waters. Jesse, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. On this week's show, Japan, China, and North Korea. Why can't they all just get along? We'll give Jesse about 90 seconds to answer that question. That is, provided that Ali finishes telling his anecdote about eating Hakata ramen in Hong Kong again in less than 12 minutes. So don't hold your breath, Jesse. Plus, Ali's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, this week's recommendation is the blockbuster movie Tenet-themed River Cruise, which I tried next week and really enjoyed. Also, a class action lawsuit has been settled against that Aomori Ken commuter river cruise that sank last year. The courts decided that the provider does owe damages to the employers of all the passengers who drowned and were therefore absent from work. But first, soap talk. <laughs> Jesse, you're an American that lives in Japan, where you're mainly reporting on wars that Japan might get into. As someone that's just watched the presidential debates, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, which country do you think is likely to go to war first? Uh, let me think. China. Against who? Uh, the US. Oh, okay. Interesting. Or, well, so well, the- we could have North Korean missiles flying over too. I mean, that could cause something. Who knows? Or Kim okay. Jong-un. Yeah. And uh, on the basis of seeing the presidential debates, uh, were you optimistic that if there was such aggression, uh, America would would be able to wade in and sort everything out? No, not at all. Yeah, if you actually watch the presidential debates, I think you'd understand that America is probably the cause of most of the aggression right now. <laughs> I do find it so funny that something something as simple as a debate, right? Something which a, a debate is supposed to be something calming, kind of this. You have to, when you think of the word debate, you think of a, of a kind of a, a classical exchange of intellectual ideas. I love the fact that the American debate has caused so much hate around the world as people have watched it. It's just so good as a, as a British person for whom really we should be. Uh, you know, the fact that we've mishandled Brexit and the fact that we're performing so badly with COVID, we're about to hit a second wave. It's just so nice. That there's always this, this evergreen truth that no matter how bad Britain gets it, America's always doing just slightly worse. <laughs> just takes the focus off you a little bit. Just slightly. Just slightly. I actually, I have only seen the Twitter fallout. I didn't get a chance to watch any of the actual debate. I'm in Tokyo this week. I'm, uh, it's my first time back in Tokyo since... 
since the Corona pandemic kicked into high gear. Um, I couldn't come for a long time. A lot of uh, TV stations and things just weren't doing shoots. They weren't doing on-location jobs. Um, but this is a, for the NHK World Cycle Around Japan job that I've done a lot of work with in the past. And I was talking to one of the producers today, and he was like, yeah, you know, just with the optics and all, as somebody who lives in Fukuoka, we couldn't really call you up to Tokyo. It just wouldn't look good until everything settled down. And I, I was listening to that, and I was like, yeah, but also as somebody who lives in Fukuoka, where the COVID numbers are much, much lower, it would look much worse for me had I accepted a job to come to Tokyo. <laughs> exactly. How was your experience in the airplane? Oh, it was weird. Uh, so so I used to be terrified of flying. I used to be really scared of flying. And then I think since 2012, it started when I went on a trip with my wife for, for like a year-long round-the-world trip. And then when I came back to Japan, I just got so busy with work that since 2012, I've been on an airplane at least four times a month for eight years now. And this is the first time since then that it's been over half a year that I haven't been on an airplane. So I'd gone from terrified of planes to fine with planes, and then I haven't been on one in a long time and was on one last night and apparently i'm terrified of them again and what's nice is it's now double danger because you're not only worried about the potential of the plane crashing to the ground but also the air inside the plane could be killing you too yeah jesse i've been reading as many articles as i can before i get to the paywall and then just going onto a different device with a different ip address and reading more your system sucks uh, i noticed that a, a, a lot of, a lot of your articles revolve around things that we should be scared of how did you get onto this beat and are you perpetually scared? Uh, let me think here. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty scared a lot. Uh, covering stuff like North Korea and China is is freaky, um, yeah. especially when you figure out you know what's going on behind the scenes, mm -hmm. stuff that people don't hear about all the time. Uh, there's a lot of close calls, you know. But hang on a minute. What do you mean stuff that people don't hear about all the time? Isn't it your job to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> what are you keeping? Actually, there was a rumor that one of our staff members uh was a spook a cia spook uh it was going around for a long time it, it's, no way it's really odd yeah it's really 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 odd and when when before that guy there was another rumor that like another another person another individual was you know his predecessor in the agency or something so huh yeah and so Weird. when there's that sort of rumor, how do you deal with it internally? Do you just kind of go, well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't? No, 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 and, no, no. And when will off, Oscar yeah. Boyd get fired and when will that podcast stop? <laughs> and do you ever worry for your personal safety? Like, do you reckon that you're on a list that if you were to visit China even for fun, they might go, oh, this guy? It's funny you say that because uh, the Japan Times is mentioned in uh, a lot of Chinese state media. When I'm, when I'm doing some research, sometimes I find... Uh, Sometimes I find, you know, the stories that I've written are in there. and Really? It's, it's, it's weird. It's really, it's freaky, man, to see, like, they're citing my reporting. And it's not just, uh, it's not just media in China. It's also in North Korea, you know. And obviously, you know, they're very famous for their, the, the bellicosity and, uh, mm. you know, we're going to turn Japan into, an, into, into ash, you know, the whole island into ash, routinely threatening that and stuff and then saying, According to the Japan Times, in the next paragraph for the you know the story that I wrote, I'm like, well, that's interesting. Yeah, to have your name there next to a high level threat. Well, not not my name, but you know, they, oh, they certainly know an illusion. They know who, who I you am. are. Yeah, yeah. Jesse, your name's probably there somewhere. 
<laughs> maybe not public, but you're, I, you're probably. I, I probably try to be careful when I'm up around Niigata walking, or you know, on the coast, so I don't get abducted. Do, do you reckon that's what? The, do you reckon that's what's happening? There are sni- there are long range snipers that are just hoping you're going to go for a nice coastal walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a chance that there might be some listeners that aren't yet terrified. So why don't we make sure that by the end of the episode they are by jumping right into the news. <laughs> Bobby, what should we be scared of this week? I'd like to ask Jesse about that. Uh, two weeks ago, our guest on this show, Derek Westman, told us that the Liberal Democratic Party of Japan is not going to get us into a land war with the rest of Asia. So, Jesse, our question for you is, what is? Well, Derek was very clever in his speaking because he uh, he said land war, right? There's, there's no way there's going to be a land war. But what about over the ocean? <laughs> <laughs> Loophole. Yeah. <laughs> Derek's a clever guy. Uh-huh. It's all going to be firebombing by drones, right? And submarines. Yeah, they'll, they'll shoot out the you know, Patriot missiles and stuff. Let's look at one positive, right? Why hasn't there been any serious military aggression in the past, well, in at least our lifetimes? Like, honestly? I, I hate to yeah. like, be the American guy in the room, but I mean, there's two, there's two of us here, but um, America. Fuck yeah! Yeah, <laughs> USA. <laughs> no, I mean honestly, like uh, they, America, you know, it it uh, laid the the framework, you know, the spoken wheel alliance system. Mm. In a lot of ways, you know, I mean, obviously there are a lot of you know bad things that have that people tend to focus on, you know, with base protests and stuff. But overall, I mean, it's a good thing for Asia. And those bases are still there. In Okinawa, all across Japan, yeah, most of it and all well, and all across other parts of Asia too. There's yeah, 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 yeah. many in Korea, many all about the place. Mm-hmm. And are you saying that notwithstanding the fact these bases are still there, there is an imminent threat of some kind of military aggression? I think it depends on. I mean, you have like you have you have uh, how can I say this? Actors that are that don't really that we don't, that the United States doesn't really have experience dealing with. I mean, you know, you, you try to. People try to compare China to Japan, for example, and stuff, but those kind of imperial ambitions have completely changed. It's all about economics and mm. and technology these days, you know. That's I mean, that's the main reason why they're not gonna have like a, a major land war or something. Also, China's just huge. Like how could you how can you even imagine that? Um, yeah. But and then North Korea and stuff, they're like people say that Kim is crazy. He's not Kim Jong un's not crazy, but he is unpredictable. You know, and some people might view that as being very scary, just as scary as being crazy. Okay, so we're looking principally then at China and North Korea that could start a war with Japan. They, they it wouldn't be they would start a war with Japan. It would be they start a war with the U.S. And will Japan get drug into that? And constitutionally, Japan can only act in self-defense. Yes, but at the same time, there's a thing called collective self-defense where they can join. You know, if a friend is attacked, they can join like an ally. Japan can join and help out and fight and help defend against that aggression. So there's there's loopholes and it's slowly and and also there's that question in international law of kind of what constitutes an attack because actually that can be interpreted very loosely, can't it? And actually yeah. <laughs> there have already been some activities, for example, around the islands. And I'm not going to give them the Japanese name because I'm not going to take sides. But those islands, right? There have already been certain uh, certain acts which yeah. could very loosely interpreted be an act of aggression sufficient to warrant some kind of self-defense, right? 
Okay, before we go any further, let's just step back and kind of frame this. Uh, Ali is slyly not mentioning the name, but he's talking about the Senkaku Islands. Bobby's taking sides. And and these islands, for the avoidance of doubt, it's not like some nice tropical island with like nice things on it. It's seven square kilometers of fuck all. Uh, yeah, everyone seems to want them. Like Japan claims them, and so does China, and so does Taiwan. I'm one of the few people that think they belong to Jeff Bezos. Um, but... <laughs> He wants to put a warehouse on them, does he? I, I'm I'm just ahead of the curve. You guys are going to come around soon enough. He owns everything. Jesse, why why does everyone want a piece of these islands? Guano. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Back in the 1800s, uh, Japan used to have like a guano factory on there. That was like one of the only structures built. Yeah, but every really? article yeah. I've seen about this references the fact that they're strategically important. Are they strategically for important yeah. for yeah. guano? <laughs> for batshit. Are you serious? Uh, they were. I don't think people really collect that stuff anymore. But uh, at one point in time, that was like one of the reasons why they uh, they sent people so far from the mainland to those islands. Because they're pretty Bobby isolated. and I are gobsmacked right now because I I am was one hundred percent under the impression that if there was to be some sort of armed conflict, if there was to be an actual war, that these islands would be strategically important as either kind of like for early detection or for yeah. Actually, the islands, I believe, if I if I remember correctly, they're closer to Taiwan than they are to uh, Okinawa proper, the island. So it's the doorstep of China. That's why China's very mad and wants them back. Does that matter with the technology that we have today? I mean, I understand if you're talking about 100 years ago, you might want like a naval outpost or a place to refuel or something like that if you can use guano as fuel. Um, but now with the, the the technology that's involved in modern warfare, do they matter? Yeah, they actually they uh, the Japanese and the Americans want to and and have already and some of those islands, not necessarily the Senkakus, but some of the the outlying islands have put uh, missiles there. It acts as kind of like a net to prevent the Chinese uh, navy from breaking breaking past that into the larger Western right. Pacific. Yeah. Because they're so far away from Japan that it's a buffer zone. That, yeah. That, yes. Okay. And recently, um, China has been doing a lot of activity in the waters around the Senkaku Islands. And in your article, you mentioned that this is part of a, a tactical move called something very Asian: salami slicing, or, or cabbage cutting. Yeah. Now I'm interested. Tell me more. Basically, it's uh, uh, it's it's often referred to as like gray zone tactics, where they push the envelope, you know, just to the edge and then kind of elicit, to elicit a response, you know, to see how, how are the Japanese going to react? Are they going to fire the first shot? Because the Chinese won't. They, they definitely don't want to start anything off, you know, but they'll, they'll push to the limit. So help me understand this, uh, this analogy here. Is it the idea that you're slicing somebody else's salami and you're seeing <laughs> how many pieces of it you can get away with before they get really upset? Oh, so it has to be someone else, because I've been tricking my body into eating such small pieces of salami that it doesn't realize. <laughs> that, <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it is, really. I mean, like, it's, yeah, before you know it, then the Chinese have control, have, have effectively taken over control of the islands. So that's what they want to do. Um, and they did that, too. They already, there's like a, there's a case in point to, to look to, and that's in the South China Sea where they they took, like, like little coral reefs and just dumped a whole shitload of sand onto them and built what uh, the American military calls the Great Wall of Sand. So, so 
from from what I got from one of the articles, um, the idea that their boats are in the territorial waters around the islands could give give them some sort of claim that they have more to do, they have a presence there, and so it gives them more of a claim to the Senkaku Islands, which seems to me the same strategy like a new college roommate who's like, well, I'm going to get this bed because I already put my shit here. <laughs> Or people just putting towels on sunbeds <laughs> early in the morning. But that works, right? I mean, they get the seat. They get the seat and they get the bed. Yeah. But does it work that way in, in, in terms of international politics? I mean, it has already, like I said, with the, the South China Sea and stuff. Um, wow. But f- forgive me, right? It's, it's not in China's advantage to destroy Japan, is it? I mean, China doesn't want to take over Japan. Maybe China wants Japan to be more supportive of its claims to Taiwan and Hong Kong, but th- there's not a genuine threat that there's going to be some kind of invasion of Japan, is there? Uh, you'd be surprised. I mean... Oh, come on! <laughs> some good news! Okay. Not... I mean, okay, this is... I, I gotta qualify this. Like, uh, there's... There are certain groups of people who feel that the Chinese are a huge threat to Japan and they want to take over all of Asia. Um, and Japan is just kind of one step in that direction. Like there's like, there's like comics, like manga and stuff about, uh, about that very issue about them, like taking over parts of Okinawa and Sankaku's and stuff. And, and I don't want to make this another episode of Japan by river cruise where we end up talking about horribly depressing stuff. But Ali's asking the question, like, would China really go as far as to commit atrocities against a nationality or ethnicity? And it's like, they kind of already are. Yeah. They very much already yes. are. That is true. That is true. But uh, that is true. And I suppose I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking too far east. But you know, you ask a Tibetan, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, that's that's exactly what China does." Or a Uyghur. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting even more depressing. Yeah. Okay. So what we're saying is, China's got previous on this. What can we do to stop them? I don't know. I and I'm not sure anybody does really. I do have a solution myself, if I may. Well, I, I saw uh, something that did the rounds the other day was China had had built in some in some town a replica of Shinjuku. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so pe- pe- people that are missing, yeah, so people that are missing their trips to Japan can recreate it by taking selfies in front of a Japanese taxi and, you know, outside of a Japanese subway station. So if maybe just more of that. Okay. Then they can kind of like get their get time, their feel for Japan without time, actually having to go there. Time out. Uh, I, I gotta. I just gotta say this. Like they also built a replica of Yokosuka, which they practiced like shooting missiles at and stuff. Oh god. So okay. Yeah, they're really good at well, the replica thing. Well, there's an okay. interesting there's an interesting point to be had here though because I saw the same news segment about this town that they had built as a tourist attraction, and when they were interviewing all of the Chinese people who were going there. They're talking to average young Chinese people, and every single one of them was talking about how they love Japan. They love all things Japanese. They like the country. And I know that there are plenty of people out there that that there are Japanese people who are anti-Chinese. There are Chinese people who are anti-Japan. But I think we should remember that there's a difference between a government and the people of a country. Yeah, it's definitely the Communist Party. Like people, and and even not even the Communist Party because that's just such a monolithic thing you know like millions and millions of people are in that and not necessarily because they want to be but it's you know you gotta you gotta talk about like the upper echelons of the, the leadership and stuff could it be that even if there's not an imminent threat it's useful for the ldp to posture that there's an imminent threat in order to keep their base well if you'd if you'd ask derek he might say something different but I, yeah i mean certainly you know i mean 
a big chunk of uh, the LDP actually has just said they don't want to have Chinese President Xi Jinping uh, have a, like a, a breakthrough state visit to Japan. You know, that was like one of uh, former Prime Minister Abe's like big big things was making relationship with China uh, better than it has been in years. And he, you know, he did a he did a pretty good job. It's weird too because he's he's like always characterized as such a right winger. Forgive me for my total ignorance, but was that his policy from the start? Because I also remember seeing uh, one of your articles where you talked about a shift in the Japan-China relationship policy, their stance on it. Once, for years and years and years, Japan wanted America to be tougher on China. And then when America and China started going at it, Japan had to then thread the needle, as you said. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, I mean, obviously, Japan and China, I mean... Fucking hey, Japan is China is Japan's second largest or top trading partner, you know. So it has there's economic interests, but at the same time, what what Japan wants to do is like uh, Japan. What Japan wants to do is have America take on uh, China, you know, and play the the role of bad cop kind of mm. while it plays the good cop role, you know. And it's and it's noticeable that Suga hasn't had communications with the Prime Minister or is it President of president. Taiwan? Oh, probably, oh, that's interesting. That is interesting because, like, probably a lot of people won't like really say this straightforward, but I'm sure that I'm sure that they talk. I'm sure that there's some kind of communication that's just not known. Like she visited. Oh, you think that yeah. you think that Suga's got like a little sexy secret burner phone that he uses for dirty Snapchats <laughs> hey, with he's got one world of those, leaders. Like, <laughs> You know, what was that old TV show where they put the, the cone of silence, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. He's got, like, one of these little things. Yeah, I mean, she, Tsai, the president of Taiwan, visited Japan a couple years ago before she was the lead, the president. And, uh, you know, she she disappeared one time when she went to the, the Conte, the prime minister's office. Mm. She disappeared, and there was rumors that she had been, she had met with Abe, like, in the back, in the back room, you know? I'm sure. I'm sure that Trump. I'm sure that all of these people who are who are concerned about the Taiwan issue are having some form of communication. I mean, how could they not? They're just not. <laughs> Hold on. I want to deal with your assertion that you think Trump is concerned with the Taiwan issue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a. That's Did you a mean fair the point. administration or the man? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. The White House or the the United States. Yeah. 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 He. I think he called. Didn't he call? Like he he got a call from her when he first became president. He's just like. Uh, hello you know like <laughs> oh, usually yes yeah usually you don't you don't pick up the phone when that happens because the chinese yeah. will be pissed yeah and they yeah, were. yeah that's really yeah, funny yeah. they played to his ego just yeah, oh yeah. someone's calling me <laughs> yeah so it's not just china it's also north korea do we need to take the north korean threat seriously or do we just need to pretend that we're taking it seriously i mean we're in a, we're in a weird place right now like okay trump and and kim jong-un are best buds and stuff sort of I mean, there's like 25 letters between them over the last two years or something. 25 letters. Can you believe that? That's um, almost all of the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, just a little joke there. <laughs> thank you. And <laughs> try uh, to keep it light. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of those letters address Trump, like your excellency and stuff. And he loved that. But what if it's not Trump? You know, what if Biden wins next? What happens? I think there's a lot of questions there. And, uh, you know, we could we could see a repeat of 2017. You know, but the thing is, though, they have these weapons already. Has they Biden show said anything about Asia? Yeah, he says he's uh, about Asia in general. Yeah, I think he's going to place a 
I mean, the general uh, shift for the U.S. is to be more, to focus more on Asia. You know, that's been it's been that way for a while now, and I think you can continue that. Um, when it comes to North Korea, like he's been called the rabid dog and stuff, a rabid dog, and we will never talk to you is what the North Koreans said. Uh, they said the that about Biden. About Biden, yeah, last late last year, yeah. It's weird, like a lot of a lot of leaders actually are. It's like a really weird contrast because Suga is like, "Hey, I'll meet you anytime. I'll meet Kim Jong Un whenever. Just unconditional, you know." Because I mean, they got different interests, right, in the U.S. Yeah. But, uh, it's it's just weird because like there's so so much animosity in North Korea against Japan. Like he's Kim Jong Un's met everybody, right, except for the Japanese leader. He's he's chilled with everybody, Vladimir Putin, even the Vietnamese leader. So we are forgetting that North Korea might might have just said that for their own mental health. Like sometimes I feel like going, I'm just going to switch off American news. Maybe, maybe they could use that as their clean break. Okay, new president. Yeah, we're, we're tapping out. Yeah, <laughs> I stopped after season forty five. I just couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> But so I think we talked a little bit about China slicing the salami or cutting the cabbage or 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 uh, shaving the dog or whatever you, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I think that's racist. I think I think I think if if we're dealing in foodstuffs, what you've just said is racist. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's a it's totally oh. racist thing to say. Um, but North Korea does a lot of posturing as well. And it's weird that their posturing seems so much more extreme, like doing things like launching missiles or, you know, blowing up an office building. But are there ways in which that's just their way of slicing the salami? Absolutely. Um, but, yeah. They seem like very big moves. Like when I saw when I saw the news that North Korea blew up an office building, I was like, that's crazy. This is very aggressive. But then... You know, the pundits are like, oh, it's just North Korea blowing up another building. They've done this before. They'll do it again. I think if you, if you compare it to China, it's, it's really clear what China is doing. But what North Korea, like their intentions, you know, North Korea is just it's famously known among the intelligence agencies is like a, a black hole. Like People just don't know what, what's going on there. So it's a, just erratic. I mean, no one really under it's really hard to interpret the signals from them because they can change so often. You know? Well, I hate to disagree with you, but didn't they say we're going to blow up an office building and then they blew up an and office building? <laughs> <laughs> they did, yeah. They did. they did say that. But what does that mean, though? What does it mean to blow up a building? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the message, right? Yeah, yeah. I suspect it had something to do with them being displeased. But it's weird because later on they're like, they, okay, they, sh- okay, they, they, shot, they shot and burned a South Korean guy on a was trying to defect apparently yeah that, mm. that sucks okay but they apologized which is something they never do so i mean there's obviously some you know desire to maintain the relationship with the south koreans and and for that matter for everyone else for every uh, relationship with everyone else beyond the south koreans well japan always gets very worked up whenever they do another missile launch or or something that demonstrates their capabilities of threatening japan you see anything uh, more coming coming down the pipeline in terms of that? <laughs> what a question. <laughs> um, I, I don't like to speculate and stuff, but it's probably like um, they're gonna they're gonna have a military parade in about two weeks, and you know you, you can probably get an idea of 
you know, what direction they're leading, whether it means more um, engagement or more provocation by what they show at the at the parade. So if they show off like another ICBM or you know intercontinental ballistic missile or some kind of other new weapon or mm. something like that, then I think that you know next year is going to be kind of interesting in that sense. You might have to keep an eye on the skies above Japan. I I hear people say, and I've seen editorials published where people say that this is just North Korea's way of saying you need to keep paying attention to us. Don't forget about us. We want to be in the public consciousness. We don't want you to forget about us. Is this just an appeal for attention or would it be dangerous to read it that way? The North Koreans definitely want to get back in the news because they, it's true that they want attention, but they, they want that attention so that they can get their goals you know, accomplished, put that back in the forefront of people's minds. It's easy to forget when you're dealing with a massive pandemic, right? Yeah. But there's also nuclear weapons just across yeah. the Sea of Japan or sorry, East Sea however you want to call it. Jesse, before we wrap up, do you have any words of optimism? Uh, no. <laughs> hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 53 of Japan by River Cruise. If you enjoy the show, then remember you can support what we're doing by heading to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Japan by River Cruise. Those that donate every month, get some bonus bits. Thanks so much to our guest this week, Jesse Johnson, a staff writer and senior editor at the Japan Times. Jesse, if it does look like China or Korea are going to attack us, would you do us a favor and let us know first? I will tweet and you guys can check it out. <laughs> Could I just say that is the best plug for someone's Twitter we've ever had. <laughs> Normally it's like, yeah, I post pictures of my dinner. Uh, if you want to read some of my jokes, you're like, if you want to stay alive, follow my goddamn Twitter. Thanks very much. Thank you to everybody for listening, and we will see you next week.